Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to another explosive episode of Outside the Sheds. Sheadheads, I'm going to start this 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 episode out maybe with a different vibe, a different feel, because we're not going to just dive right into the 40-20. We're going to go talk about a little bit of greatness right off the bat. And the reason I'm excited and the reason I've got so much energy is because I just got done watching Serena Williams uh, beat Annette Conovent and in three sets. And if you don't get inspired and excited about watching greatness, I don't know what's wrong with you. Uh, maybe chess is the game you should be following. But what I will tell you right now is that was a match that had me... I had an upset stomach. I was nervous. I was... Uh, a little, like, I'm not for Serena's husband. I'm not her uncle. I'm not her brother. And everybody in that crowd, I think, was feeling the same emotions, maybe except for her her mother, because she's got to be a straight assassin, never showing emotion like that, even though I know she's dying inside, but an incredible match, and and going on a ride with a player when they possibly are thinking about retiring is something special, especially when they're a great one, and Serena Williams isn't just a great one. She's probably the best to ever do it because of a lot of the circumstances she's had to go through that a lot of players haven't ever had to go through. So I'm pretty jacked. I'm pretty fired up right now after after seeing her pull that out. And um, it's going to be a fun U.S. Open. And I think you all know how much I love tennis. As a matter of fact, the one thing I'm going to talk about uh, later on in the show in Outside the Bubble is about tennis. But before we go there, congratulations to Serena. I don't know if she'll still be in the tournament uh, during next week's episode. So I definitely wanted to show some spotlight and some love to greatness. Tiger was in the crowd today. Uh, Spike was dressed as, I don't know, as Spike usually does. A lot of flair, a lot, lot of flamboyance. Straight up Spike all the way around. But great match. And, and you know, I've... Uh, I've been a big fan since Denise uh, Tursunov took over as uh, Annette Konovitz's coach um, last year. She went on that big run, and, and I felt bad for her that she was the villain, even though she looks like Mrs. Shedadamas's close friend. Um, but it was it was a great match, and it was something really for me to get excited about because in a matter of hours, I've got the beginning of the first round of the AFL uh, final. So, but before we can go there. We have to start where we start, and that's the 40-20. And I hope you guys were as excited as I was because I had a match live up to the way that I predicted. Uh, went 5 for 8 for the pick, so that was pretty nice. But uh, the round started off 53-6. to six. The Eels dominating the Broncos at Suncorp. Um... I don't even know what to say. I, I'm really sad for for Kevy. Uh, it looks like right now the Broncos are in deep, deep trouble. That they might not make it into the finals. 
Uh, players are complaining that Kevy gave them a massive spray, which I don't even want to get into. We're going to talk about the Broncos a little bit later. But the Eels, since, since Mitchell Moses has come back, have got that confidence and that flair back. Uh, and they have now set themselves up for a pretty darn big match to maybe possibly get into the top four. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit farther down the line. Panthers 46, Warriors 12. Uh, the Warriors putting in another dismal performance. Um, they, they didn't even have to go up against you know Nathan Cleary and in a full squad um, for for the the boys from the foot of the the Blue Mountains. But again, the Panthers looking and separating themselves from the rest of the pack. The question is. When Nathan Cleary comes back, does he come back firing on all five cylinders, all seven cylinders, whatever you want to say? Because right now, uh, the Penny Panthers look pretty darn dangerous and unstoppable. Roosters 18, Storm 14, like I predicted, Shedheads, to me, the match of the season we watched, it had everything. I've got a deep dive on this one coming back, or, or, or when we get done with these scores, but what a match. What a match. And like I said, it deserves its own spotlight, which we're going to give it. Raiders 48, Seagulls 6. Um, you know, you got to just say it. The Green Machine defeathered Manly. And I don't know where Manly goes. It's kind of, again, you know, DCE, after coming out of that Origin Game 3, looked like he might actually be able to sneak into the, uh, you know, the the the, the Kangaroos World Cup side, and he just has not had a great second part of the year. He just hasn't. After Origin, I don't know. I think those I think those Maroons players gave so much to to the Origin series that if you look at them now, um, you know you look at the guys from the Broncos, you look at DCE, you look at some of the guys. They just don't seem like they've got that same fire like they did. They might have left some of it. Uh, in, in origin, but the Raiders with that victory get themselves in the top eight, pushing the Broncos out right now, setting up for a huge, huge uh, last round, last weekend of of the of the regular season, and you know it, it's going to be all about playing. But the problem is the Broncos losing their match the way they did. Points differential has really gone against them. They almost have to hope that the Raiders lose and they win because I think that's their only chance they're getting in. Uh, Shark 16, Bulldogs nothing. Uh, Fafita night uh, was probably the most exciting part about the night because it was a pretty lackluster performance by Cronulla, but you're not always going to be firing on all cylinders. We know this, and Cronulla just wasn't doing that. They did enough to win. Um, and isn't it crazy how the, the Bulldogs, since uh, Cameron Seraldo was named the head coach, how Mick Potter's words aren't motivating the team like they were before when they didn't know who their head coach was going to be. Uh, but anyway, Sharks getting the victory there. Rabbitohs 20, Cowboys 10, uh, minus Cookie because he came down with COVID right before the match. Uh, South booked their finals berth, their appearance. Um, and unfortunately, there's always two sides of the coin. The Cowboys drop out of hosting a home field final, and now they're going to have to go on the road right now unless 
things change in this final round. But a, a huge loss for them, just as much as a big loss for the Rabbitohs. Dragons 24, Tigers 22. Again, the West Tigers find a way to lose a match that they looked like they were somewhat in control of um, going into the last 10 minutes. They don't consolidate. They don't close it out. And the Dragons come back and rip it out of their hands again. So the Dragons getting a big victory who are really going to factor into this last weekend. Uh, and the Tigers just can't, can't get anything to roll their way. And finally, Titans 36, Knights 26. I got to tell you something. Gold Coast showed a lot of flair. They showed a lot of panache. And it was behind A.J. Brimson and, and, and Campbell. It was pretty, pretty special. Uh, as a Titans fan, I think a lot of people are wondering where was that all season. But I think going into the offseason, uh, they've got a chance to kind of springboard off of these last few rounds. And if they can get a victory to finish out this uh, this season, we'll see. We'll see what uh, Justin Holbrook can do next season for the Titans. Now, like I predicted last week, that match between the Storm and the Roosters beyond lived up to the expectation. It had it all, Shedheads. I, I, I really can't remember the last time I sat back and watched a match. It probably is during Origin. And I know Origin is not, quote-unquote, a regular season match. But that was the last time I kind of had the feelings that I had going through me watching that match. Uh, there was a ferocity to it. There was there was tension. Uh, it just had all of the things that you need to have a match feel something in the pit of your stomach. And to me, that's why I watch sports. I want to feel something. I want to feel something that the players are maybe experiencing. I want to I wanna have... Uh, apprehension. I want to have nervousness. I want to have all of the emotions course through my veins in 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 two hours, three hours, whatever the sport takes to play. And I got that. I got everything. The only thing I didn't get was a biff. And unfortunately, I didn't get the refs to stay out of the match. But besides that, it it was to me one of the most perfect matches I've seen for a very very long time. And the Roosters pull off that eighteen to fourteen victory. Um, Jared Worry Hargraves was back at his barnstorming, in-your-face, alpha predator best. And Big Nelson was trying to live up to his side for his boys as well. Now, I want to take a little bit of a, 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 a diversion, a little bit of a side access road right now. Because Big Nelson is a force to be reckoned with, okay? Nelson is, he's a special guy. Because he's got size, he's intimidating, he's got a, a nasty mean streak to him with a lot of the big guys have to have. But for me, Nelson takes it a little too far. And I'm not going to go on to this, I'm not going to drub this one into the ground. But he really could have broke Joseph Swally's jaw with the way he dropped that elbow uh, in a tackle. And, and, and it's crazy for me to hear pundits um, go pro- against that doesn't need to happen and con about like nothing happened because just because something doesn't happen doesn't mean that we weren't fractions away from it happening and Joey Swally almost took that elbow right there and the way that it came down 
it could have broken his jaw if it would have connected. That's all I'm having to say right there because I don't see that same type of aggression from JWH. Jerry Hargraves will hurt you by either tackling you or running over you. But he just, the only people he gives somewhat quote-unquote cheap shots to are guys that are usually his size and guys that he's trying to set something down with. But they're usually not shots for me that are going to possibly have guys lose their teeth like 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 he did to to uh, uh, like Big Nelson did to Wade Egan. It's just to me he plays right on that edge, but he goes over it. He just goes over it too much, too often for me. So that to me was was not good for me to see. Even though it was good to see, uh, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Victor the Inflictor. I would say step out of his weight class by grabbing Nelson by the throat. Uh, but it was awesome to see because one of the things that Victor always says is he's not intimidated by anybody. And how he came in there grabbing Nelson, I think it caught Nelson off guard that he couldn't believe that that Victor was grabbing him by the throat. But that's that's Victor Radley. Um, and unfortunately for Victor, he did that, had a great match, but it was some scary scenes at the end of it when he, again, not tackling the way he's most comfortable, uh, tackled low and got a head knock that was really not just a head knock. I'm saying he went into convulsions and, and, and some, some seizure that was not, was not something you ever want to see. But I will say this again. If the guys tackle the way they're comfortable with and Victor likes to tackle around the chest area, he doesn't get that head knock because he's not going in for the hip like that. And that's what these people who do not play the game don't understand. You're putting players in more jeopardy and compared to, you know, a, 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 a forearm or a, or a head-to-head contact, those things stink and they're not good. But you're not going to get guys getting knocked out by taking a hip to the side of the head. And again, if I actually saw Peter Volandes throw down a tackle like that, it showed me his proper technique. Maybe I'd change my mind. But instead, I've got him and Graham Ansley talking about, oh, we don't need to do it that way. But you're not the ones out there tackling. So um, that was that was scary. And, and thank gosh, it, it, we've gotten word. Victor Radley, he's probably not playing this week. But that he is, in his mind, doing fine and he's doing okay. But I know Trent Robinson, he is definitely probably going to keep him out. Now, these... Scores, these outcomes have some huge, 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 huge factors because the victory for the Chooks helped them secure their finals berth a week ahead of their showdown with the Chook, with the with uh, the Bunnies. So the Chooks are in and they're ready to take on their their bitter, bitter rival. Uh, on the other hand, the Storm with that loss have now put themselves in a very precarious position where they've got to beat the Eels. To stay in the top four. But the reason this is precarious. Is because the Eels. If they can get a victory. Can leapfrog them. And get into the top four themselves. That is something crazy. It's been a long time. Since we've seen the Melbourne Storm. Fall outside the top four. In a final series. And that possibility is right there. I myself am not going to bet. Ever against the, the Melbourne Storm. 
And since they know that they just need to get a victory to stay there, I'm thinking they're going to get that victory. But, again, they put themselves in a very, very, very dangerous situation. So, I, I, I love matches. We've talked about this. I'm a huge fan of when, you know, when matches have lasting effects on teams. And we we're, we're going to get those lasting effects after this match. And, again, it just sets up for, for some more theatrics coming up this weekend to finish out the regular season. So, great match. I love it. It took me back. It made me remember why I fell in love with Rugby League. And unfortunately, in the last couple of years, um, I've been looking hard for that because it just hasn't stayed the game that I love so much with the officiating and with, you know, the bunker and all that type of garbage that I could do without any day of the week. So great job, Storm. Great job, Chooks. Uh, I can't wait to hopefully see more finals football like that here uh, in a week or so. Now, with another crushing defeat, like I said, by the hands of the Eels, the Brisbane Broncos are really spiraling. Um, so much so that they're, they're now looking up into a competition that they look like they had a chance to finish in the top four. Now they're not probably even going to finish in the top eight. Because of that outcome, Kevy had a huge meltdown. He lit into his players uh, in the sheds. And there's even some talk coming out that some of the players were very not happy the way that Kevy talked to him. And I also heard from a lot of people that I very much believe in that if that's the case, those people need to be moved on. Because if you know... And if you've played the way that they've played the last couple of weeks, the Brisbane Broncos, that Kebby isn't going to light into you like that, and that he's going to just go status quo like, okay, nice job, let's get some oranges and discuss this, you're out of your mind. That's not, that's not the way Kebby is in the first place. He's a very passionate person, and he does wear his emotion on his sleeves. But um, this result has caused some major major ripples inside that locker room, and some of the ripples are in decisions that Kevy's made for the must-win game coming up this weekend. And that major decision is he has stood down Ezra Mam in the excuse me, in the 5/8th position, and he's given that number 6 jersey back to Tyson Gamble. And I to me this is a very very slippery slope Kevy's going down because Ezra Mam has played very, very well uh, this this season. I, I think he's ahead of where a lot of people were expecting him to be. So making that decision of not riding him through to let him maybe fix some things and to possibly springboard you into the finals if he can have one of those memorable matches, he's gone back with Tyson Gamble. And I think the reason he's gone back with Tyson Gamble is because Tyson Gamble's grit, the way Tyson Gamble can get under people's skin. And you're never going to hear me ever complain when I can watch Tyson Gamble play because I just like the style of play the guy does. Um, he's very much an emotional player as well. And I do think that he plays well with Reynolds. But it's a big gamble because I think a lot of people... And a lot of players for the Brisbane Broncos have enjoyed watching uh, Ezra's coming into his own a little bit this year. 
I think that there's not a guy on that team that can run with him um, that are any of the remaining halves there. So they're going to lose that um, that aspect of their attack. Um, but to me, it, it's about going forward in the future. And what does this mean? And does, you know, does Ezra Mam just kind of let, like a duck, let the water run down his back and just say, hey, I just got to, I got to pick my game up. I got to play a little bit better. I'm going to watch Gamble play this weekend. I'm going to try to incorporate some of the things he does maybe to my game a little bit. But it is a very much a dangerous call on Kevy's part to go this way, I think. But to be a coach in a top-tier league, NRL, AFL, NFL, MLB, whatever you want to call, you've got to make sometimes decisions that a lot of people don't understand. And you got to sometimes take that chance that it could be a decision that later on comes back and bites you in the rear end. Not saying that it will, but it has that potential to do that. So a very, 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 very unique, strange, and interesting decision on Kevy's part. Uh, and to me, the only thing is, does it pay out and pan out for the Broncos? Does it light a fire under some of these players to get them to bring the best out of themselves? in their huge, huge, huge matchup uh, this weekend. And I, I don't know. You know, we've watched the Dragons. You don't know which Dragons team's going to show up. So, uh, you know, a lot of those guys that play for the Dragons actually have Queensland roots. So you know that they're going to be up and motivated to take on uh, the Brisbane Broncos. So um, unique decision. Going to be interesting to see how it, how it pans out here this weekend. Now, I've told you about passion. You know me, shedheads. I, I, I'm a guy that's very, very passionate, very emotional at times. Uh, I just, you know, started off by talking about Serena Williams and how, how much and how nervous I was watching that. But to me, in sports, rivalries are the thing that makes sports the it thing for me. I love rivalries. I think rivalries, uh, it brings out bad blood. It brings out uh, heightened emotion it just brings out the best to me in players uh playing their rival and it doesn't even have to be a team concept i'm saying you know nadal Federer rivalry you know that type of stuff rivalry that's what we're looking for here and to me the best rivalry in the game uh, a lot of people said in the last few years it's been the battle of queensland between the cows and the broncos but to me it's not even close it's the chooks it's the Rabbitohs. It is the battle and the hatred for Sydney is, to me, the number one rivalry in the game. And we're getting that to end the regular season. We're getting the Chooks and the Rabbitohs playing for, I don't want to say all the marbles, but definitely some bragging rights. Um, and we've got them doing something with a backdrop that we're never going to see again. But the backdrop being... Allianz Stadium finally getting it christened the Flying Wasp, as Judge Smell's wife would say as she breaks the front of his boat with a bottle of, I don't know, cement. I don't know what Schmales' wife hit the front of the boat with, but she definitely did enough to make uh, the SS dinghy not look great after she was done. But we're christening in Allianz Stadium. No more Sydney Cricket Ground. And... And now it's caused a little bit of, I can't believe I'm saying this, more animosity between these two teams. You know, we've already still have the backdrop 
of the 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 huge hit last year um, between Joey Manu getting taken out by Latrell, uh, where Joey's face got crushed and caved in, and Latrell got banned for it. We're still we still have that that we have to play out, uh, and you can feel that some players are still feeling that. The Rabbitohs let Latrell go back to his farm this week to kind of try to get his mind straight, to kind of try to relax so he wasn't in Sydney, so he couldn't hear everything, every single um, media uh, member, every sports broadcaster talk about the upcoming match. So you have that. And then you have the Rabbitohs feeling like the Chooks came in and poached Joseph Suwali from them. And... This is staying with these two because Soali's turned into a superstar for the Roosters. I'm saying this guy is a straight young gun. Like you're watching him going, is this the next coming of Sonny Bill Williams? That's how good this kid has the possibility to be. And because of his age of him doing this at, does he have the possibility to blow right past Sonny Bill? And I know that is sacrilegious to say that SBW might not be the best uh, but I think Joseph Suwali has a chance to pass him if he continues the way that he's trending right now. So you've got all of that. And now you have the backdrop of Allianz Stadium and the Chooks not allowing the Rabbitohs to run a captain's run on the field before the match. Uh, they are playing straight up hard, dirty ball with this new stadium saying, hey, hands off. It is all ours. And we're, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, it is a stadium that you would think you'd want to have people in week in and week out. But it makes it seem like the Roosters are going to put a kibosh to that. And that they're going to make that just their own. Um, which is a little insane. But I got to tell you, I love the brass gishkas of um, Politis kind of pretty much throwing down and, 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 and pretty much pulling it out in front of one to see and say, you can't have it. But, you know, when Nick Politis really stands up and says, you know, I'm not letting that happen. This is our building, blah, blah, blah. I find it hard to believe that he's talking smoke or blowing smoke. I think possibly he is straight up calling them out and firing this rivalry up even more than it has been for a very, very long time. And I can't wait for it. So, as we go in around 25, let's get some picks. Let's nail some things down for you. We do have some breaking news. Uh, in the first match, the one that we were kind of talking about, about the Storm versus the Eels, it has just come down uh, a few hours ago that Jerome Hughes is out and that Cooper Johns is in in the halves role for the Melbourne Storm. So, Again, I know Cooper Johns has played well. I know now Matty Johns is already starting to take uh, his antacids. But uh, it is going to be interesting. I think that means more weight is going to be put on the back of the Hectic Cheese and Cameron Munster to do some performing. And Harry Grant is going to have to probably run more out of the dummy hat position. That being said, I am going with the Storm to stay the Storm and to get the victory over the Eels to kick off the round and to stay in the top four. I've got the Storm to kick it off. Friday, Sea Eagles versus the Bulldogs. Both teams are playing not the most inspired footy right now. Uh, it's in Canterbury, but...
but I think the Seagulls find a way to win for Desi and for D, for um, Kieran Foran and some of the outgoing players to try to get the victory over the Doggies. Uh, next, we have the Rabbitohs versus the Roosters at Allianz, the big one we're talking about. Roosters, the Chooks have won seven in a row. And I think it continues. I think they beat the Rabbitohs. They hold serve at their new fortress. And they, by every means, started off with a victory uh, at Allianz Stadium. Then we have the Titans versus the Warriors. You can call this on a late, late edition on, on Friday night, Saturday morning. I guess it's more Saturday morning. Uh, I'm, taking, I'm taking A.J. Brimson. I'm taking the Titans to get the victory over a Warriors club that wants the season to end so bad they don't know what to do. Broncos versus the Dragons. This is where I, I, I think this is going to get screwy. I think this is going to get mixed up. And I, for some reason, think the Broncos are going to beat the Dragons. They're not going to beat them by the point differential to take over that position. But let me finish this out and I'll explain. Next match, Panthers versus the Cowboys. Uh, word is really broken that, that Ivan is going to be resting a lot of his players. And I think the Cows know that they've got to get a victory. And I'm taking the Cowboys to come down there to get a victory to see if they can rip back that number two position from the Cronulla Sharks. Sunday, we've got the Sharks versus the Knights. I just find it hard to believe the Knights are going to rise up. I think the Sharks get the victory there. And then finally, Raiders versus the Tigers. Raiders versus the Tigers. Raiders versus the Tigers. Now, I'm going to catch you guys off guard by this one because I can't believe almost that I'm going to say this. I'm taking the West Tigers with a huge upset and beat the Canberra Raiders to finish the regular season. If the way that I say it pans out, it means the Broncos sneak in the eighth position. But there are some real possibilities. We're going to get some craziness with this because there is a chance if things play out a certain way, that we could actually get Chooks, Rabbitohs, first round of the playoffs. Now, if that happens, that's going to throw a lot off because I think you're not going to see a lot of players play against each other and that you might see these coaches putting in a lot of subs for that for that, for this you know last round's matchup between the two. Uh, if there's a chance... Um, you know, that that could be big. If it gets wind that those two teams are going to play round one, they are not going to drop any type of information for the other team to steal, plays, anything like that. So I'm hoping by every means that, that, that these two teams have to play their best players because I really want to see them hook up. But, I, you know, I guess I get a consolation because I could possibly get that in the first round. But it's going to be interesting. But I think I've picked some winners, and we will go from there. Now, as we go on to On the Mark, finals week one is here. Uh, this has not made me very popular at the home front. Mrs. Shetadamas is not going to like this because that the, the match that kicks off the round uh, tonight, this morning, whatever you want to call it, um, the you know Richmond going up to the GABA, to playing Brisbane and Brisbane, is a 5 a.m. kickoff or bounce, first bounce, I guess you could say. Uh, whew, I didn't get tons of sleep last night. 
this is going to be a tough one, but we're going to fight and we'll pull through it. Now, to me, going to finals round one, there's so many stories that, that are going to come out of this first round. Uh, and a lot of stories to me that I'm really excited to see how they pan out. But I picked my top five stories going into round one and what I'm really interested to see. My number one, does an aging Geelong club finally raise the flag on a team that is trying to race the clock? And what I mean by that is you don't have a young team. Selwood's not young. Danger's not young. Hawkins isn't young. This team needs to win this year. They have to try to raise the flag for Geelong, for the Army, this year. Um, so that is my number one story to follow going into round one. My number two, do the Pies' hearts have it in them and continue to beat with the strain that Collingwood has put on their own vascular heart system with the cardiac stress that they've put not just the team but the fan base through as they continue to win games late by just single digits. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a match between uh, them and the Cats. As you know, I just think that they're going to have some problems. But again, there's a lot of people that feel that this is just Collingwood's year. Uh, that they, that cardiac is going to come through for them. They just have stronger hearts, and it's not going to give out on them. So that's my number two big story. Number three, now that he's been named to start for Richmond, is a Dustin Martin at 80% still going to be the same dominant finals force that he's been for Richmond? Does Dusty have it in him still with not a lot of time, uh, with a, 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 you know, injured hammy, does he have it in him to come back to actually be, you know, score a few goals to help Richmond get over the top of Brisbane? I'm so interested in that. Um, but is he still going to be the force that a lot of people think that he is? My number four story, can the Dogs win it all again from the eighth position? I, I am so eager and interested to see this one play out. Um, it is going to be a barn burner. We're getting ready to talk in a little bit more detail about that match. But uh, it will be very, very interesting for me to see if the Dawgs can repeat that 2016 magic. And finally, number five, do the Ds repeat? A lot of people thought going into this year, that Melbourne was such a cut above everybody else that you know that they could win the back-to-back and maybe set, be setting up their own dynasty uh, like the Richmond Tigers. But they have a huge, 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 huge match to kick it off against the Swannies. And uh, I can't wait to give you my pick on that one because I think it's going to be a heck of a match. Now... In a matter of hours, like I said, we've got a big match going on at the GABA. And it's going to have some lasting effects on both teams, like any type of preliminary, excuse me, first round elimination final has. Because one team is going to try to leave it all out there on the field, and they're going to come out falling short. And then they've got to go into the sheds afterwards and ask, was this season uh, worth it at all? 
Um, but this 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 game is gonna have a little bit different punch to it, if you know what I mean, because unfortunately for the yellow and black, three hundred plus gamer Shane Edwards has been left out of the side by Dima. Uh, Damian Hardwick has 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 not started Shane Edwards for this game. I think it's a little strange, but I'm also not going to try to coach against Dima because he knows usually the buttons to push to get the best out of Richmond. I just think it's such a strange event, uh, and you know Shane Edwards is is really probably worked up that he's not going to be able to play in this game. Um, so that is on the yellow and black side. Now for the Lions, they're set to blood in a young gun, Darcy Wilmot. And I think I said that right because I don't have a lot of experience with Darcy, but he's supposed to have incredible pace and 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 has the possibility to be a star in this league. But the problem is he's being blooded in because Noah Answorth is out. And, you know, suspensions, uh, players' injuries, there's always bad times and there's way worse times for, for players to be out. And I think we're dealing with one of those worst times. I think this is, is going to have a huge implication on the match. Uh, I don't think, you know, you don't really just f- run out on the field for the first time in one of the biggest matches uh, in your team's history besides their you know, their treble that they had back in the early 2000s. It's going to be affected. It's going to affect the Lions. Now, the other problem for them is they're going to be out without Cam Rayner as well. And and you can only have so many key cog players be out of a side before really the weight of a finals match really starts to weigh against them. Uh, Rayner is out because of that one-game suspension that he did earlier on Brownie. So um, I really am going to say I'm getting that feeling in the Battle of, of the Cats. You know where I lie on this one because I picked these guys to, 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 to win it all. I'm not going to give you my final. I'm not giving you my prediction yet. You're going to just have to wait. That's right. Bait and switch. You just got hit with it. But I cannot wait for the Battle of the Cats. And I also can't wait for my head to hit the pillow after it. Now. As we continue on to uh, the you know finals round one, uh, Frio captain Nat Fife. There are guys that just have not had luck for not just this year, not just for this round, but for a while. And Nat Fife is that guy. Right now, I'd have to say that he is the poster child for bad luck uh, in the AFL. And it continues because Nat Fife is the captain of the Frio Fremantle Dockers, has been ruled out of the elimination final against those magical dogs. He's out with a hamstring injury, hamstring pull, I think they're saying, a strain. But the crazy thing is, this isn't even the hamstring that Nat injured in round 19. It's the other hamstring. So even if he comes back, you're going to have to say, if Frio still wins... Nat Fife is playing on two bad twigs right now that have been compromised. And a lot of people who have not played any type of game with a lot of running, um, you've got to have strong legs to compete in that area. You just do. 
Because you've got to be able to, as you go into finals, be able to run with confidence, run with authority, and to really lead with your legs. That's the AFL. So Nat Fife is out. I really feel that omission of Nat Fife, their captain for Frio, is going to cost them big. It's going to cost them big. It's going to cost them big. But I'm not giving you picks yet, so you're just going to have to be patient, Shedheads. And though I've got to still report stories, that's what I'm here for, and I'm going to have to report this one because even though the Essendon Bombers are not in the finals, they find a way to stay in the news. And the reason they find a way to stay in the news because when a team is not being run efficiently, does not have strong leadership up, excuse me, leadership up top, they find a way to still infest our airwaves because they don't do it the right way. And here we go. The Essendon Bombers still looking for a coach. I told you last week that it looks like Ross Lyon is one of the favors to possibly get that job, right? Well, here's the problem. Now the Essendon players, the Bombers playing group, there's a group of them that say they want Ross Lyon to come in and be their new coach. Okay, that's cool. But my problem with all of this is this playing group doesn't have the right to say who they want to be their next head coach. This playing group has not played up to the potential that they probably have had. And they had some real gassers late in the season to show that. There was fighting inside the sheds. There was bit, there was bickering and, 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 and bad blood between the teammates. That means that you do not get to raise your hand and say what type of ice cream you want. Meaning, you don't get to pick the dessert. No, you're going to eat your vegetables. And I'm picking out the lima beans you're going to eat. I, I, It blows me away, the entitlement that some players have. And yes, you're right, Essendon. And some of you, when you say, well, don't they have, shouldn't they have a say for the, for the, for the coach they want to come in and coach? No, you don't. Because you did not prove that you wanted to go out there and to grab the reins, play for your coach, uh, who was, you know, embattled, then lost his job because you didn't step your game up for him. No, you don't get to pick. And even though if I'm even thinking that Ross Lyon might be a good guy to bring in for that, I'm not letting you have a say in it. And I might actually be going the opposite direction just because of it. And I am a huge Ross Lyon fan in the standpoint, I think he could do some things for Essendon. But if that playing group is so sold on it, I'm going to go the other way almost. Because I want them not to be comfortable. I want them to almost be scared of the next head coach because I need them to step their performance up. So, Essendon, I don't know what you guys are going to do. I, I really don't. But you just need to have that playing group keep their mouth closed and go out there and just hustle. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just know, and I feel sorry for the Essendon fans. They have a loyal fan base, and they have really been treated pretty, pretty miserable um, the last few years. So, Essendon, let's see if you get it right, but take the microphone away from those players' mouths. Now, let's go into some picks for finals week one. Again, I told you we kicked it off in a matter of hours between the Richmond Tigers, Brisbane Lions, up at the GABA. 
I I kind of hinted the direction I was leaning. I kind of had to stay that way because I'm not going up against my pick. Uh, I've got the Tigers beating the Lions in the Battle of the Cats. Friday, the Swans against the D's. What a matchup. What a matchup. But guess what? Guess what, Shedheads? I'm going Swannies. I'm thinking the Bloods, they beat the D's, and they sit in the catbird seat and watch the D's have to come back from the loser's side and try to get into uh, playing, you know, to get in and play going the extra mile to try to go in a repeat. So I've got the Swans beating the D's. Saturday, the doubleheader. Pies at the Cats. I'm going with Geelong. I do think that the Cats are going to play some incredible, incredible footy. And I think they're motivated. And I think that for Scotty, they're going to go out there and get a victory to start off finals week one. And then finally, Bulldogs versus the Dockers. That magical, the, the, the infinity, team infinity, the eights. I got the doggies rolling over the top of the Dockers. I think that loss in that Fife, I think that's going to be key, key, key in them not being able to, how should I say, get over and get that victory. So I got the Bulldogs continuing with that number eight magic and getting the victory. Now, as we go into the guns, I've got maybe the most inspiring player. Well, that's close because I was going to say JWH is pretty darn inspiring, but AJ Brimson, my number one, it was so good to see again AJ playing uh, with a smile on his face, with an extra step, with a lot, a lot of flair. But AJ Brimson, two tries, 137 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, two try assists, five tackle breaks, 11 tackles made, 75 kicking meters. You don't really get more well-rounded than the, that match for A.J. Brimson. So happy for him. So happy for the Titans faithful that they're actually possibly going to see uh, your Gold Coast team finish the season strong. So congratulations to A.J. My number two, Clint Gutherson, the Gutherino. Two tries, 189 running meters, one line break, one line break assist, two try assists, five tackle breaks, one one-on-one steal, four tackles made, and 26 kicking meters. That is a pretty well-rounded game for Gutho. Um, and and like I said, Dom, I got to say this for you. You got to feel strong. Your eels are looking like they might have a lot of belief for themselves going into finals week one. And then finally, Zach Lomax. He's not jumping on the back of people's backs. Nope. He's just having a solid game. It's my number three gun. One try, three for four for conversions. One uh, penalty goal, 153 running meters. One line break assist. One try assist. Six tackle breaks. One one-on-one steal. And nine tackles made. A really, really strong, strong game by Zach Lomax. Uh, in his, I guess, key addition to... Uh, the Dragons, the Red V, getting the victory. So, congratulations to those guys. Great, great, great weeks for all three of them. Now, as we go in outside the bubble, I talked to you earlier about the Queen. I talked to you about Serena Williams. 
I talk about how strong she looked uh, beating Annette tonight, knocking out the number two seed. And I said to Mrs. Shedadamas, the scary thing about a champion like Serena is every round that she advances, she starts to believe more and more. Like a lot of the looks she was giving out on the court tonight, you didn't see in that first round matchup. You didn't see uh, in any of the other six matches she's played this year. But she's winning. And with every win that she gets, you're going to see more of that steel in her eyes. You're going to see her going for her shots. And you're going to see a belief back in her body, which she hasn't had for a while. I'm saying she just got blown out by Radakanyu a few weeks ago. And, I, you know, last time I checked, Radakanyu's not in the tournament anymore. And she's still there. So, um, that is one of the things I wanted to say about the U.S. Open. Kind of a little bit going back over and re-throwing dirt on that freaking garden uh, plot. Now, what I wanted to talk about about the U.S. Open is starting this year, the U.S. Open is allowing coaching between the players' box and coaches and the players on the court. I think this is a horrible move. And I've heard some people stand up and say that they think, they think, they think this is a good thing, you know, that every other sport, you know, you can have a coach and on and on and on. To me, why it's not a good thing is one of the most beautiful parts about tennis is after you do your warm-up, after you hit some serves and get your ground stroke on uh, at your practice before your match, um... You cross that line into that gladiator's arena of tennis. And what makes tennis beautiful is it's one-on-one. It's you against your opponent. But the biggest battle in tennis isn't the racket speed. It isn't how strong your opponent hits his forehand. No, what makes tennis players so, so strong is what's between the ears. Because after those last few conversations you may have with your coach, you've got to implement everything him or her said, and you've got to put that on the court. You don't have a chance to go, ooh, wait a second. Oh, you think I I should serve two times down the tee and one wide? Okay, I'll try that next game. You don't have any of that. You have to put your plan in motion, and then you have to have the ability to slide, move, all that stuff. And you know what? We're going to lose that. And, you know, I guess you can say it's already started to be lost. But I'm just really down with that. I, I like to see players have to show grit, have to have a look on their face when they finally punch through and get the victory, that they kind of did it on their own. And that's everything for me. That is everything for me. So, um... I guess you could say the future of tennis is, you know, got coaching and it bums me out, but I guess it is what it is and I can't really do anything about it. So that was my one story outside the bubble. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend here in the divided states. So we're going to, it starts off the college football season. Uh, the Cowboys have gotten rid of all their court, all of their, their backup quarterbacks. So who knows what they're about ready to do. Uh, so there it is. Some big stories outside the bubble. My number one being the U.S. Open. If you get a chance, 
Serena plays doubles tomorrow night, I think at 6 with Venus. Uh, and then she's back on on uh, Friday night. So uh, make sure you check her out. It's some pretty, pretty theatrical presentation. The standpoint is you are like by every means watching a movie. And the emotions you get from it are, are just incredible. So uh, thumbs up to the U.S. Open. But that is it, Shedhead. That brings to a close our episode this week. I hope you guys have some notos. I hope you guys get take a nap right now so you're ready to watch the Lions and the Tigers go head-to-head. Um, I definitely will be there. I definitely will be watching this. I'm really, really excited. But we also have the Eels, and we've got the Storm almost at the exact same time. So going to be action, action-packed, Pee-wee. So until next week, get your fill, Shedheads. Finish strong with the NRL season with this last round of, of, of the regular season and get beyond jacked for round one of the AFL Finals. But until next week, Shedheads, keep up with those scores. Know that your Shedadamas is trying to get you in the win column with some of those gambling picks. But until I talk to you next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your one and only Shedadamas, Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.